Hi, everybody, and welcome to How Music Charts, the podcast where we explore the dance between interpreting data and making creative decisions in the music business every day. I'm your co-host, Jason, and you'll hear from our co-host, Rutger, very, very soon. This podcast is owned and operated by Chartmetric, a music data company that connects numbers to narratives to help professionals leverage the power of music. Any opinions or views expressed by our guests or the co-hosts on this podcast are his or hers alone and do not in any way constitute the opinions or views of any company he or she works for. To preserve a tone of earnest dialogue and protect our guests, we will refrain from using names of any kind, personal, company, or otherwise, unless our guests have granted us explicit permission to do so. Today, we finish our conversation with Sync Tank founder Joel T. Jordan. We're going to get into Fleetwood Mac, super cool platforms that start with the letter T, trailer, TikTok, and Twitch, Wu-Tang Clan Chess, and the mysterious Otis speakers. So here you go without any further ado, Joel T. Jordan. I pulled up the page for that track you were talking about, that Walk the Moon track. Yeah. Uh, Lost in the Wild. Is that yeah, that's the- it. Lost in the Wild. So this is actually going to lead nicely to my next question. But um, so that that series looks like it was released on July 24th. And within the first week of the release, um, this track, it had like 12,000 Shazams total or something. Mm-hmm. And within a week of, it, of that series being released, it shot up to like 250,000 Shazams. Holy crap. Whoa. And now it's at, it's at close to half a million. Wow. Um, In that short a time. That's insane. And the Spotify popularity shot up from 40 to like 80 out of 100, wow. which is There you go. And is that Huge. the CPI stuff? The, yeah, the their popularity index thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, and actually... <laughs> See, that was just my intuition, man. I didn't even know that that right. was actual fact. It's just based on visibility around my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've noticed... A around similar, my back porch. Similar thing. Um, like with that, that six-month report that we did, we noticed... A couple tracks where that happened, where something mm-hmm. similar happened. It's magical. Um, yeah, and their YouTube uh, views actually, like Mexico City and Lima, Peru, like just exploded at that really? time. Yeah, amazing. So it must uh-huh. have been something that corresponds something culturally there. I don't know what it is that that it would be interesting to dig deeper on that. Yeah, but you know, yeah. That brings me to my next question, yes. which is we've noticed a significant correlation between sync placements and Shazam counts, especially. And Certainly. that obviously makes sense. But what other metrics and data points are do you think are important to look at when it comes to sync? Um, <clears throat> well, you mentioned the popularity index. And you can see artists accelerating in one genre or another or over jumping from playlist to another playlist or getting repeated plays. Um, All of this kind of waiting um, helps people decide which tracks are going to go after, you know, and what the budgets look like against these tracks. You can sort of see based on how many followers or how many um, plays or if you're given some kind of uh, data of, of, um, you know, the, with uh, moving through, uh, moving from one position to another, it's that obvious um, if you have a, a, the right tools to actually keep on top of it. Um, if you're just casually looking at it, you're not going to see the, the, the movement, are you? Um, it's going to seem pretty static. But um, all of these little kinds of changes can be indicators of which way, you know, you should go creatively. 
Um, I didn't know that banjo popular shit. We should put some banjo music in our, but it's that simple, dude. You know, that's how A&R decisions are made. And A&R decisions are music supervisor decisions because it's about artists and repertoire and the repertoire that goes into the films and goes into the movies. So these people need this, almost a similar workflow, but different because they're going to be looking at different kinds of metrics, like um, staying power of the, of the song over weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, can this be the theme to a song Can the, or movie? Can this be um, something that um, sticks emotionally into a certain scene or is it just background? Um, there might be other things that I'm not thinking about, but all of these metrics are important. And, you know, um, you know, you can, you can give them value. Um, and I think what's interesting about what your program offers is that you can um, see it across platforms. So you can actually analyze that. Like it actually has eyeballs on it, YouTube at the same time that it's being clicked on at Instagram at the same time that it's being streamed at, at Spotify. Let's go with that one. Right. Um, so you wouldn't have that if you're sitting around in a boardroom arguing about which song that's both fit the bill we should go with. So there's certain stuff that, you know, there's opinion and there's, there's data. Um, so some people want to go with opinion and some people want to go with the data and some people want to go with both. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think in every aspect, it's always good to put your best foot forward. Um, unless you're trying to support some sleeper and that's cool too. Um, but you know, if some, if, if gravity is already pulling in that direction, who doesn't want to, to side with the, with the winner already. So, um, it's, it's great to be able to find talent and find stuff that's already falling on e- ears that are ready to hear it. And that's what you can do with data. Um, and what you can do with data within your own catalog is even interesting too, because these massive companies that have millions of tracks want to know, Hey, in Germany, which band is actually kicking ass in blues music right now? You know, cause I want to have somebody asking me for blues music right now, or is there some catalog? So not only are we using the metrics of how many sales they've had or how many plays they've had or historically, or, or even that month or that week, um, you can compare that. And it will say, it'll start suggesting other music because we're doing fingerprinting and, and feature um, extraction from the actual tracks. So you have all of these different data points of popularity. And then maybe this one will actually be um, a better fit because we can sell it for a different price point or it fits their budget or there is no restriction that is on this track um, and so on. So beyond the popularity and the acceleration of, of, uh, of artists, um, through the, 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 the charts, if you will, there is like, you know, the historical, um, sales data that you can always link to the asset and know which one, you know, would be better, better suited for that audience. Even if it's like, you know, you know, your audience and your demographic, and you're trying to find something that's falling on that audience and that demographic, use the data, you know, there's a Venn diagram for that. But yeah, I mean, like, take a look at like, <clears throat> what happened with Fleetwood Mac, you know, and, and, and mm. dreams and, and how these viral things like connect with kids that, you know, completely give a, a new life. They mean Fleetwood Mac should be giving that guy a big check, you know, for, for kicking, kickstarting um, a great catalog track back onto the charts. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a, a feel good moment when stuff, stuff like that occurs. And um you know, it's a, it's a total fluke, but you know, how can that be reproduced? Beats the shit out of me. That was completely, you know, magical, I guess. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, but sorry. 
But, you know, that has to do with that other generation. It has nothing to do with my generation or my dad's generation or anything. They're discovering music through these channels that I never, ever discovered music through. Um, but, you know, playlisting, videos, and TikTok, and that's how music's discovered now. Mm-hmm. I like 10 seconds of a background snippet on a funny video, and boom, now it's a, now it's a hit. Um, so that's, that's how it works, I guess. <laughs> um, but it doesn't, you know, you don't have, that's an easier, it's, it's a hard move to make those, um, organic, you know, special things that come out of fans making them, you know, it's just impossible yeah. to replicate. So that's what I think touched everybody about that guy's, uh, realness. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I guess, I guess that, that brings me to like my <clears throat> next question to close out. This section is... If you could sort of sum up based on experience and what you're seeing in today, um, what it means for an artist to be commercially viable, like what quantitative and or qualitative measures give you that indication? I mean, <clears throat> God, qualities is, is first. You have to believe in yourself, be resilient, never give up, never take uh, no for an answer, always be yourself. Um, don't change your qualities for anybody. If they ask you to, it means they're not respecting you as an artist. Um, those are the qualities you need, obviously, you know, talent and, and, uh, you know, that's a useful one. Um, and then quantitative, you know, just, you know, having the, all of those things, if you are doing it correctly, will lead to people, people that help you will help you get the quantitative bits into, into order, which is how do I get a presence here? How do I get followers here? How do I, start getting, um, you know, snowballing on Instagram and, and so on. And that's where strategy comes in. And so, you know, artists, unfortunately, can't just be artists these days. They have to be the CEOs of their own little companies and they have to understand it more than anybody else um, because they're never going to be able to argue their points unless they're educated completely from top to bottom. Why they need to have this um, happen um, at this date versus um, that date and on this platform versus, versus that platform. Um, and they have to know their audience and who they're communicating with too as, as well. Um, and if you have, you know, I mean, artists can learn, you know, they can say, Hey, I'm trying to reach this type of audience. What is this other artist doing and sort of emulate? Um, obviously those are, uh, those are things that you can do to, uh, to get to your endpoint, but really building a team, um, will, will lead to everything else. And, the there is no buying of streams. There is no, cheap way or cheap fast way to get to it it's really you either you know stick with it and you do it and you do it and you do it because every artist is going to tell you that they didn't just come out of nowhere they were doing it for a long long time or they had incredible connections long long time will lead to incredible connections trust me the um you just have to go put the work in you have to go and meet people you have to be yourself and be genuine and, uh, you know, believe every single thing that you say. Um, otherwise, you know, how is everybody else going to believe in you too? Um, so, but the quantitative comes after the qualities, man. I mean, the one thing begets the other, it's not the other way around. Um, so the, the, the streams and the stuff, that's great. Um, when somebody's looking for an artist, the art comes first. If you don't have a lot of followers, that's cool. The followers will come if your music's good, remember? Because people will come to you if it's good. We all have the same platforms now. We all have the same opportunities. There is no, um, 
you know, uh, one, I mean, obviously getting on a playlist requires, uh, some team, right? So this is, uh, you know, where I'm saying you need to kind of work with, with teams. You need to build a team. You need to part, be part of a team, whether that's a label or distributor, a management company, somebody that has the ability to, um, support your dream or support your, uh, your infrastructure in some way. And that could just be your couple friends of yours and do it yourself, you know, just don't do it alone. Um, and so they uh, can handle the uh, marketing, for instance, and you, you can do all the other stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, there's, there's so many tools out there that can help you understand what other artists in your category are doing. And you can do those things too. And you could use Chartmetric to even see that kind of stuff. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm happy to, happy to be a snippet, you know, that's cool. Um, all right, Jason, unless you have anything else, let's move on to the, so we're going to do a quote unquote speed round. Okay. If I don't know anything, just move on to the next one. Cause I might not have an opinion or I might <laughs> okay. actually be like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. So I have okay. no idea. Keep them easy. And I might have an opinion. All right. But as cool. you can see, I'm very like loquacious. So like, I don't know how long you want these things to be, if it's a speed round. I mean, like, that's enough. Shut up. <laughs> um, okay. So we're, we're just going to ask you like four to five music, recent music industry headlines and just get your quick take sure. on them. All right. So this one's coming from Variety via the Nashville briefing uh, newsletter. So uh, SNL and for our non-American viewers, that's Saturday Night Live uh, pulls country singer Morgan Wallen as musical performer after the singer broke COVID-19 protocols. Mm-hmm. Quoted as saying, I'd like to apologize to SNL, to my fans, to my team for bringing me these opportunities, and I let them down. Yeah. He said on a recent video on Instagram. And I think the background for this, uh, his tic- he posted some TikToks yeah. then without a face mask, and he was just he was just turning up. He was Yeah, drinking, he was, all over the yeah, place. In bars yeah. in New York City with no mask on, I mean, that's a no-no. And yeah. um, especially if you're going to be working on a tiny little set. Have you ever seen Saturday Night Live? It's like the there. size. Okay. It's like the size of your living room. It's so small. So to, to do that is really, really brazen and bold and actually just so irresponsible. I cannot believe that he blew, blew a shot like that. Um, I hope he doesn't have some big release coming. Oh, wait, maybe he does. I don't know, but that, that SNL is just a coveted, coveted position to play on that show. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a huge, you know, fuck up in my mind. <laughs> So no, I don't think that's very impressive. And I think it's really sloppy um, that he uh, let his team down who all came to New York that, you know, were expecting him to deliver. I'm sure his label's not happy. I'm sure his publisher's not happy. Um, And it just shows that, you know, sometimes artists are, you know, not in full capacity of their uh, decision-making. All right. This, this next one, uh, I don't know if you've heard about this, but apparently chess is really huge on Twitch, or at least it has been lately. Something like 50 million hours. The game of chess? Yeah, have been watched. Uh, And they're bringing in uh, Wu-Tang into the mix for for a big event. Of course. Uh, If you don't have anything specific on this, um, the other big news with Twitch, obviously, is (laughs) the, uh, their soundtrack rollout. Yeah. To, uh, to for licensing sure sync licenses yeah so either or <clears throat> i mean wu-tang is forever and they come <laughs> up with some of the most innovative stuff ever i don't know what exactly they're going to be doing with chess but i'm sure it's going to be incredible like they're going to make custom chess pieces and a wu-tang board i assume or so something cool. really clever um, it's got to be killer um but yeah i mean chess i wonder what people listen to when they when they play chess you know twitch soundtracks uh 
you know, obviously is a, is a huge um, development for Twitch because they've, you know, been putting the onus of copyright clearance on their creators, which is incredible given that their entire business model relies on creators. So they're like, Oh, go out and get that music cleared ninja. I don't think they're going to, he's going to have the time to do that. He's playing video games, dude. So, you know, it's important that they make, that they have made now this like licensed, legally licensed music available. Um, it's just what, it, I don't know what they're getting paid exactly and what the rates look like. Um, I'm sure it's, um, it is what it is right now, but I'd like to see what the rates are and what, how favorable they are. Um, there's also companies like Monster Cat and people that have been doing music for Twitch for a long time where they do similar things like um, for user generated, user generated content where you clear the music and it's whitelisted against your channel. So um, this sort of upturns those kinds of independent um, cells um, channels a little bit. Um, also pretzel music. I don't know if you're familiar with them. You can put your music in pretzel and pretzel allows you to stream from your desktop an array of different music into Twitch that was already cleared. So <clears throat> it's kind of funny, but I hope those two businesses are doing well, or there's some way to, for them to incorporate with this um, innovation on, on Twitch's side. But yeah, I mean, music and video games have always been together. So if they never had the licenses in the first place, it just, I scratches my head, man. Um, and it's like looking at a radio platform that has no licenses and puts the, puts the problem in your lap. I'm like, how are you guys going to, you know, Oh, it's, you can't, you just can't legally do it. You know, it's just impossible because it requires a sync license. It requires, you know, a master, uh, license as well. And, and if you don't have either of those, you're doing it illegally. Um, and for Amazon to be doing it so brazenly for so long is just wrong. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the rates look like, but I'd be interested to find out. And I think it's it's great that they're doing it. It's just uh, I want to I want to you know see you know what they're going to do with it. Are they going to um, you know uh, make this more music related? Is there going to be more ability to do um, you know performances and and perhaps clear mechanical licenses for performers to do that? That'd be kind of cool. I'm always riffing on shit, so you know. If an idea is there, I'm going to think of the next idea that goes on the back of that one. Yeah. Um, but that certainly would be a smart move. We'll clear the licenses in platform so that Joel can pick up his ukulele right here and play, you know, whatever the whatever the spirit moves me to do. Um, but yeah, you know, Twitch and music. Come on. Yeah, yeah. it's an obvious winner. So here's another one. This is coming from uh, Music Allies Bolton as well. Uh, newsletter. Yep. So this one's a Twiller. A Twiller. <laughs> Tr Twiller. Twiller. Yeah. Uh, a mix of Twitter and Triller. Uh, Triller to add live streaming feature in the coming days. So Triller has announced that from 12 October, it will have a go live feature within the app uh, with an optional paywall and donations tool for its creators to make money from their live streams. Uh, quoted as saying, Triller will make sure that 70% of all money raised uh, goes directly to the artist. Cool. And has also set aside $5 million to go to the go live backlog payments for creators and as another bonus, uh, the first 10 influencers who reach 1 million concurrent viewers will get $50,000 direct payments from Triller. Mm. Thoughts? That's confusing. I mean, I don't know. I, the Triller doing live streaming is a no-brainer. I mean, that's obvious. Like, they're going to fucking kill it um, with that. But again, I don't know. Are, are, are they licensed or not? I, I can't remember, recall if they have um, music licenses. Um, I think they might. Um, are they just done a deal with, with somebody? Um, let me check to my fact checker right here real quick. Uh, trailer music licenses. 
but um, yeah, I mean the the issue is, did they say you say they're going to pay thirty percent to the art or seventy percent to the artist? Seventy, yeah, ten percent of all the money that goes to the last. So it's go. like it's like using GoFundMe. It's like giving thirty percent away for 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 a channel, but I guess they're giving you the the channel. They're giving you the means to reach millions of people. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a steep fee for me. Twenty um, percent seems like a normal management fee, and managers do more than Triller, I guess, but. Um, yeah, so Triller announces that they've done a global licensing deal. With, uh, that's in Universal. Seven Digital. Okay. So they've got music available like, legally on the platform. Um, okay. So, I mean, that's interesting. I'm, again, I would be interested to know if, if um, you could do some uh, licenses on the platform too, like to, to performances. But I reckon if, you know, Joel's picking up his ukulele and playing cover songs that I don't know if those licenses extend to those cover songs that I'm playing or not. That's a curious question. Um, as for the gaming of the gaming part of it, where the 10 top 10 guys that are, are people that get to the top, that's interesting, but I have no idea how they're going to do that. Like that's just sheer luck or, or how good they are at marketing themselves. But it's obviously a, a, a smart way to do it because then they're going to get the resources of all these influencers to pull people over to Triller and away from TikTok. Um, and if you remember, Triller's been around just as long as TikTok when TikTok was called music, musically or whatever. Yep. Um, Triller, you know, my my babysitters, uh, the babysitter for my children was like, I was on Triller years ago. And like, it's like, you know, mm -hmm. so not not forgetting it. Um, but yeah, I think a paywall is an interesting concept. I don't think, you know, is it does it make it sound like a paywall is always there or is an optional paywall or. Uh, it's this optional paywall. Okay, yeah. So that yeah, I mean that op that that's an obvious cool fit because yeah. you know you could even do I don't know secret shit behind the paywall. I don't know if this also will involve salacious activity or pornography or anything, but <laughs> I don't know, man. But they they only have fans. all these OnlyFans. Like, are they trying to put <laughs> OnlyFans out of business? I don't know, man. But uh, you know, there are all kinds of audiences, aren't there? And all kinds of content and all kinds of things that we can't imagine. And we're talking about music right now, so. This thriller tr and music, it could be, you know, I don't know. It could be like part of the equation. Maybe it's not all of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like that idea, actually. I think they're going to do really well with it. The other thing was Amazon, obviously, putting um, live PAs um, allowed from creators on um, Amazon Prime. So uh, you can go live on Amazon Prime and start playing along with the, the playlist as well. Yeah, so the news I was trying to point to was Amazon Music now links with Twitch to show artists live streaming performances through Amazon Music. Ah, that makes sense. Which is yeah. fucking yeah. smart, yeah. Uh, the next one, uh, Jason, you might have more insight to what debate there was around this, but this is from Sherry Hughes' Water and Music newsletter. There's these new speakers um, called oh, yeah. Oda. Oda. Yeah. yeah. We've been talking about these. Yeah. Um, I thought it was rad. It's a cool, it's a cool concept. So you you explain the concept, set up the concept so people know what we're talking about. Yeah, so basically um, you get a pair of premium priced designer looking speakers. They're and, like one inch thick. Yeah, and um, you also get a subscription for essentially live performances made specifically for these speakers. Um, so it's sort of like a hardware plus subscription model right. specifically around these live performances. Right. Um, I don't know exactly what the debate was about, but Jason, maybe you have 
No, just that it's really interesting. It's it, first of all, I think just the business model is interesting. Like you have it a is. physical thing that you buy. So for people who like having their hands on something, I think that's one thing. And then the fact that kind of the ongoing, it's almost like a printer and printer ink. Uh, like like they have a, a set of kind of ongoing kind of curated performances that feel very much like an NPR Tiny Desk kind of concert mm-hmm. uh, kind of vibe. And um, and that's kind of like a monthly or no, I'm sorry, a seasonal subscription uh, that you pay kind of going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to have like, you know, the Philharmonic and stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it's really kind of cool. It's the, the, the concept reminds me of um, like almost. Uh, well, it's like a subscription service, but like a box of music. Right. But the box of music is is remember they uh, you'd get like a record every month or whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, except- I have that still. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the, uh, but with high end, high HD quality sound through, um, I guess they're proprietary speakers, aren't they? So you have to have the speakers in order to have the the service. Yep. So that's hardware is hard. I mean, so if the, the hardware itself looks pretty cool, I don't know how it sounds, but I love the idea of subscription live service. Um, I'd pay for that, but I kind of have that already. And all the other things that I'm paying for through my kick-ass <laughs> speaker system right over here. Um, so I don't know, man, it's kind of like, it seems like it might be geared towards like really snobby audio files or old people, um, in my mind. Um, well, but, uh, so let me just like pipe, pipe in real, real quick on the speakers. It, it seems really cool. They, they almost look like a, if you're familiar with like Spanish music, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like the cojon. Yep. So it looks like like one of those except thinner and then they keep mentioning as it's like a it's designed like an instrument so just like an acoustic guitar almost like the yeah. way the sound is produced it it sounds like very it's like it's emanating like originally from within your room uh mm. at least it's a concept which i think is is pretty neat yeah i mean uh, do you do you rent them or do you oh no you buy them they're yours oh, okay. and, and uh, they say that you can play you know any audio through it um, oh i'd hope so sure <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, you bought um, these super expensive speakers, and then your subscription <laughs> lasts, and you're like, oh, all right, well, got these fucking. But yeah, I think that Oda thing. My my friends and I have been uh, just kicking it around because we've all invested in in kinds of crazy speakers and and audio audiophile things, and it really, you know, I mean, I'd have to sit there and analyze the damn thing. I'm not going to order it online and an impulse buy from Instagram. <laughs> um, but you know, there's people that will and send it back, but. Uh, you know, even with the amount of room I have in this house, I don't want to buy more shit. So, <laughs> fair enough. Um, all right. So, last one. Uh, so, this one is also from Music Allies Bulletin newsletter. So, TikTok now more popular than Instagram with U.S. teens. So, investment bank Piper Sandler put out this semi report of U.S. teenagers, about 9,800 of them. And TikTok now moved to the number two place of their most favorite social media platform. Uh, 29% of them said that they preferred TikTok. Thirty-four percent. So first place goes to Snapchat, which is apparently the uh, the the reigning supreme, and then Instagram moved down to third place with twenty-five percent. Thoughts? I'm completely out of touch because I don't. You know, I I messed around with Snapchat and I didn't. It does almost everything Instagram does, so I I didn't adopt it. Mm-hmm. But um, TikTok, yeah, it's addictive. It's uh, I mean, my kids always enjoyed short form video and they obviously like um, the way that you can respond back and forth and, and create um, chains of, of, of knock on kind of videos and, and build on them. I think the social aspect of it's incredible. It's, it's also very addictive. <laughs> um, the, the creativity that they can do with it, though, is, is really what it's all about. Um, Snapchat, obviously, 
offers a lot of cool stuff um, that, you know, other platforms um, have a little bit of, such as the filters and things. I like that there's music involved and when there's music involved and, and, and with a video, that's what makes TikTok so compelling to me and probably compelling to other teenagers and other teenagers to teenagers rather um, <laughs> still call everybody kid anyway. So, um, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, Instagram, it, it looks like they're trying to catch up with all this stuff that's already been, that's already happened. And so once it's already happened for somebody, they're not going to, it's hard to get them away from the platform that they associate that with. Um, so you could come out with something that's a better feature, but unless it's something new, that on top of that better feature than the better than the feature that already existed at the first um, platform is where the loyalty is. So I think Triller is going to have, you know, a hard time on their hands trying to pull people away from TikTok, um, kids, especially once they have that much momentum. Um, just like Snapchat had a hard time pulling me away from Instagram. And instead I'm using Instagram stories and, and stuff like that, you know, so it's, it's really, when you have more than one arrow in your quill that do the same damn thing, it's kind of hard to, to choose there. So whoever got there first is really going to have the, the, the most compelling um, story in most users, I think. Thanks so much. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about or mention? Joe? No, I mean, I opened a recording studio with my twin brother oh, in, awesome. over the pandemic pan nice. pandemic. And um, that's been a really kind of fun hobby. And we're, we're in Brooklyn, New York in Flatbush. Oh, um, nice. The name of the studio is great hair. Um, a lot of people come in and out of there with great hair. So that's, <laughs> that's it. Um, we haven't really made anything out of there other than a couple demos and things, but it's fully set up to, to do, um, production. And we're working with, um, young, um, unsigned artists from New York and New York city and Brooklyn, and we're looking for talent, you know? So, um, I'd like to point everybody over to earthprogram.com, which is, um, our website. And to, um, also mention that we have a weekly, um, radio show that we've been doing, or actually it's not, it was weekly over the, over the beginning of the pandemic on a, on an app called station head, if you're familiar with it. And, um, we grew quite a little following, um, playing music and interviewing, um, artists that we find very interesting and also interviewing, um, industry, um, you know, uh, heads that are, have really compelling stories. And we always ask them, you know, what's the most fucked up thing that ever happened to you or in the music industry or whatever. So there's always some kind of interesting bit to it. And, um, but we're mainly moving it into a podcast format and, um, you know, it's, it's available on station and if you want to check it out, it's called Q and A and R because it's uh, question and answers and responses, um, to, uh, artists that have questions like this, like, how do I, you know, find a partner? How do I get synced? How do I do this and that and the other thing? Mm. Um, so it's, it's very focused on artists and artist development, but you know, that's the only extra bit I wanted to mention was earth program and, and, that side project I'm doing with my brother, um, that's more of a, you know, a true, uh, artist kind of oriented project rather than creating massive software company that, uh, you know, helps enterprise level companies. <laughs> um, so awesome. that's it for me. Awesome. Thanks well, for thank having you. me guys. This has been really, really fun. How Music Charts is written, produced by Jason Hoven and Rutger Rosenborg of Chartmetric. Free Chartmetric accounts are available at chartmetric.com and podcast notes are at blog.chartmetric.com. You can also subscribe there for additional insights delivered to your inbox right after we publish. Follow our thoughts on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at at Chartmetric. That's Chartmetric, no S. That's it for this episode of How Music Charts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.